Hello, officer. Good to see you again. Yeah. We have had a doozy of a day. A real doozy. Uh, there we were. Yep. Uh, minding our own business. Yep. Making some improvements to my new house. The new house. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these kids started killing themselves all over my property. Yeah, this one right here, he dove head first right into the wood chipper, into Woody right back there. There's another one up over there who, who shoved a spear through his gullet. Straight through. Now, I don't know how much experience you've had with this, but we were scared shitless. You must think that I'm some kind of moron to believe a story like that. No. Oh, no. No, sir. Not a moron, Not. just open-minded. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Fear of God podcast. Your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, coming to you right now is one of your favorite hosts, Nathan Rouse. Typically with me is your other favorite host, Reed Lackey. He was here a minute ago. He said he had a doozy of a day, though, and it looked like he needed to go lay down. You know, I I don't know what that's all about, but I'm sure he will fill us in when he gets back. In the meantime, I'm so glad you're here. We are in the thick of a brand new series Uh, But before I get to that, just a little bit of business here. One, I want to encourage you, if you haven't, go leave us a rating. Go leave us a review in a minute. (laughs) You'll really want to do it. We love those. Some of you, since we even started Funny or Die, have left a couple of reviews, and they're amazing. You people are amazing. We're so grateful to be here sharing what we do with you guys. Thank you for sharing your responses in the form of ratings and reviews, which if you haven't done so yet, if it's not clear yet, we would love for you to do. Um, you know what? Reed, here you are. I'm not even going to prolong anymore because I just, <laughs> I just, I just want you present. Well, you know? here I am. Here you are. Hi, you, buddy. You, you know, you had a doozy of a day. Sometimes that just happens. Yeah, it's um, true. Boy, I've had a doozy of a few days. I've had a few doozies of days. What is it? Doozies? Doozers? A couple of... Do, I don't, what? What's the... What's the Dunzo? plural? Yeah, I don't know. What's the plural of doozy? Doozies. Doozies? You've got some doozies. Yeah. There have been a few doozies. Doozy of in your days. Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you're here, buddy. And uh, Thank so, you. Are the listen- so are the listeners. As much as they would probably enjoy me prattling on for an hour and a half, it's probably better that you're here. Um, <laughs> so, Reed, we got a 
We got some ground to cover, bro. We do, and we have uh, quite a few exciting things to talk about. So uh, we have a few little announcements. Why don't you take us into the very first one, the very first thing that we want to let everybody know about, uh, the new thing that has officially hit the interwebs for each and every one of them to go check out, and uh, they all should. I have, you have, one very... I I mean, why would I even... I mean, you're just like doing the whole thing, so like all I get to do is just say... What it is like? You're just like explaining it all. I was even gonna yeah. make a joke when you set me up for it. Then you just kept going. I was like, oh. well, I can't make that joke now. Well, let me do it over. Let me do it over. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Don't do it over. Yes, we have a lot what? of ground to cover. We get a lot of things to talk about. Why don't you? Why don't you hit us with the very first big announcement? Okay. Well, unfortunately, the show is ending. What? Wait a minute. That's not the. Announcement. I'm just kidding. It's funny. You're dying. That wasn't very funny. I never um, should have let you go back and do that joke. <laughs> No, right, right. I told you. I told you to just keep going. <laughs> by then, by then, the moment had passed. They can't all be winners. Just every now and then. In they, they in land. the well, in the theme of funny or die, I think that one was a die. Yes, I I knew that, <laughs> and you just you just keep just keep going back to it. Um. So yes, we do have a really fun announcement. Last week, it was a rather half-hearted announcement just because I didn't really know if it was going to be in play. Uh, but it was. And so this week, it is a wholehearted announcement mm. that the Fear of God podcast has official show merchandise. Da-da-da. Super exciting. Super exciting. Uh, uh, listener, friend of the show, artist extraordinaire, Jacob Hunt's art can now be yours on a lovely t-shirt or a lovely mug or yes this is true a lovely pillow we should, wait what that's yeah it's on there <laughs> that's man. awesome yes oh that's we should, awesome that that's that should be something we give somebody <laughs> um so yes you can officially go to t public t-e-e-p-u-p-p-u-p goodness gracious <laughs> we, we're just gonna start over completely t public I'm not going to spell it out for you, except the T-E-E part. tpublic.com, search the Fear of God podcast, all one word, and you will find official Fear of God merchandise. Uh, and I do want to announce right here on the air, not only is it available, we want to give a shout out because yes, Reed has purchased some merchandise <laughs> to represent. Yes, Nathan has purchased some merchandise to represent, but... The very first listener who actually made a purchase before Reed, I want to add here. Let's call him uh, is, <laughs> is Matthew McDougal. Now, his Facebook name is Matthew White Chocolate McDougal. McDougal. He can explain that. But, you know, so I, I want to give credit. I, I actually don't think his real name is, middle name is White Chocolate, but you never know. So <laughs> his whole Facebook name is Matthew White Chocolate McDougal. So Matthew... <laughs> <laughs> of the surname McDougal was the first to get a fear of God piece of merchandise. And we give you public props, T public props, which is spelled <laughs> with one P and one B uh, right here on the show. Go Matthew. Thank you. That's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. So yes, that's great. So yes, read in a, in a couple, well, hopefully not a couple weeks, probably by the time this airs, we, you and I will have our product. As oh well, my gosh. Mr. White chocolate. Yes. Um, we got to Instagram that we should do. Oh, we should do like an unboxing, you know, like 
those things. Those yeah, things like a live have. unboxing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where it's just like, hey, look at this package in the mail. I know I what it could be. I always see and everyone's those. Like, yeah. I think it's a t-shirt, That's and you're right. like, it is a t-shirt. Oh my you know. gosh. Yeah, that would be that would be really fun. We should do that. What a weird world we live in, where we watch each other open things online. <laughs> Well, what an even weirder world that some kids make way more money than I will ever see by opening things and having people yeah. watch them open things online. Yeah, that's just opening them. That's really depressing. So, y'all, I mentioned a minute ago, Reed, we got a lot of business to cover here. So we, we gave props to Matt or slash Matthew slash Matthew McDougal slash Matthew White Chocolate McDougal. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot. I know. <laughs> What's up, white chocolate? You know what's so funny? He is he's probably out there being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they used that full that full Facebook name on there." Because you know, it's just probably some. He's high like, "I shouldn't joke. have bought that damn shirt." <laughs> I didn't know they were gonna drag my name through the white chocolate. <laughs> no, we love we love Matt oh, Matthew. We do. Um, we do. So. Um, we you know we're gonna sport our attire when it comes in. Matt got public props for grabbing some attire. We are in the spirit of Funny or Die and the spirit of Fear of God 2.0. There's a lot of stuff afoot. Uh, there's a couple of guests that are coming down the pipeline in Funny or Die, which is going to be fun and exciting. Um, Reed, I don't know if you've heard, we are going to do a contest. A contest? A contest! Woo, 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 oh my gosh. You know, I don't know what that last of, thing was. But <laughs> <laughs> at first, it sounded like sirens, like and then something inappropriate sort of s- snuck in the back door. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it gets you. Oh um, goodness gracious! You know, I was just listening. Read uh, sidebar. I was listening to our retrospective episode today because I just I enjoy I enjoy when we make me laugh, which is really weird <laughs> and probably really like egotistical i don't know i don't know i but, think most of our listeners enjoy when we make you laugh like your yeah, laugh okay. is well, one of the most infectious things on the planet <laughs> it, even i was getting a bit worn out by my laughter in the retrospective episode but i was still having fun <laughs> but oh my gosh you referenced in my noises just then the little segment where you where you cut in the texas chainsaw slurps that's oh it's hysterical. my gosh it is yes it's, read when the day comes that i am on my deathbed will you will you promise to play that for me <laughs> <laughs> on your deathbed. yeah can't. like i need to laugh i want to go out smiling <gasps> reed oh, i want to go out my god laughing and smiling so no wow. really we we do actually have a contest okay it's true. so i'm going to announce the parameters of this contest and this is exciting okay this is exciting everyone um and then we're going to pin them to the facebook group so you can easily reference them but the contest for Funny or Die, a generous listener um, mm-hmm. has has gifted the show, and thus we are going to in turn gift a listener with a $100 Voodoo credit uh, to be used towards whatever kind of movies on Voodoo you want, which is awesome. Thank you, generous listener. Isn't that awesome, Reed? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's the other thing is, like, I was going to say, like, if we've referenced it before, but if you don't use Vudu is uh, Walmart's little, like, streaming service thing. They've got a deal, listener, if you're like, I don't want to start a Vudu account, blah, blah, blah. They have tons of movies that if you own the DVD, you can convert the DVD to 
a digital code with like two bucks for DVD, like SD, or five bucks for Blu-ray. Like it's really easy, and you get your movie for like. Well, and bucks. like if you're like it's, I don't want a Voodoo account, and you win, well then just let us know. We'll give it to somebody. That's else. right. No, that will happen. Regardless, this is going to be a really long episode if I don't get to these rules. <laughs> so, so yes, we have this hundred dollar Voodoo gift certificate. We want one of you to have it, and that's like a whole lot of movies, according to Reed's monetary metrics he just threw out there it, it i mean is. you're a voodoo fan right you're i'm a, a user. very big fan yeah I, yeah yes. it's, it's one of my primary like that's where my digital library is this segment of fear of god brought to you by voodoo just kidding it really um but here is how this contest is going to work reed okay you okay ready? yes i'm ready because so, i need you to take notes that way they'll take notes so here i am i'm ready it will run through the end of funny or die this is the third episode of i think where i think we're going to be doing eight or nine Funny or Die episodes. So the contest will run through the end of Funny or Die, and the winner will be announced either the last episode of Funny or Die, depending on how all this tracks out, or the first episode post Funny or Die. So yes. around then, everyone will know. We'll keep you up to date and all that sort of stuff. And also, by the way, read a little asterisk here, the next series. I don't know if you know about it yet. It's going to be super exciting. Oh, um, I'm in the know, and it's it's very I, exciting. I know, it's, it's very exciting. Okay, so the contest is points-based. It's not how many points you win determines if you win. It's how many points you get determines how many time your name gets tossed in the hat. So an iTunes review, okay, and a review read. You got it? I've got it. A review. A written review equals five points. Five points. Now, if you've already posted, we're going to get to you in a second because we do love you and want to share that love with you. Um, A share on social media is worth two points. Mm Mm-hmm. The share can be on Facebook, it can be on Twitter, or it can be on Instagram. Well, what do I share, Nathan? That's a great question, Reed. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you can share a story from an episode. You can share an episode. You can share the T Public link. You can share something related to the show, but you have to tag us on that forum. If you share on Instagram, tag us. If you share on Twitter, tag us or at us. If you share on Facebook, tag us. That's the only way we know that you've done it. Indeed. So... For every instance of you tagging us in a public share, you get two points. So five points for your review, two points every time you tag us in a public share. Okay? Now, once the contest is over, every point you have is one time your name goes into the hat. So the more points, the greater the odds of you winning. One of the Fear of God spouses will draw the grand prize winner. And they will receive the $100 Voodoo gift certificate. Now, not to be left out. We are generous folk. We want you to put our faces on your bodies. <laughs> Two other lucky winners will be drawn as well. And they'll receive a free Fear of God t-shirt. Okay? So, Reed is going to be keeping up with all of this in a handy spreadsheet because he is that guy. I am not that guy. I, uh, I don't speak spreadsheet. I skipped that note. I didn't, I didn't write that note. <laughs> So when you ask me about that next week, about well, uh, so there you go. So there it is. Starting at this episode, have your spreadsheet ready, Riri. <laughs> all right. Now, I told you I'd come back to you. For all of you iTunes reviewers who have already posted reviews, thank you. Okay. Email us a screenshot. You know, there, there's no perfect way to validate this. Yes. Um, but, you know, if two people come in with the same screenshot, we'll know one of you is cheating and you'll both get thrown out <laughs> so if you've already left an itunes review thank you we appreciate it email us a screenshot of your review you will get your five points now that said if you get a friend to listen to some episodes and get them to post a review 
than you, and they get five points. You like that, Reed? I do. That's good. That's well, wow. Share the love. All, share the, the, points. all now, the points. I know. For iTunes reviewers who are new to a review, if you're posting a new review, post it, then screenshot it, and email to the show. Reed, remind me, what is our email address? Fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word. Got it. Yes. You can hear that at the end of the show, too. You will get five points for your review. Also, like those who have already done so, if you get new friends to post reviews, they'll get five points, too. Okay, so so read. The way you get points are an iTunes review gets you five points. Yes. If you get someone else to listen to some stuff and they post a review, they get five points. If you can connect yourself to them, we'll give you another five points. Okay? If you post on social media and tag us. You got to tag us or we won't know. Right, right. You get two points. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, this this series is going to run like I don't know another yeah. five or six weeks. So now like, there's a let's lot clarify. Of opportunity. Whoa, okay. Two points per tag. Yes, per exactly. Tag. Yes. So like, the sky's a little bit of the limit there. Yeah, that's you right. Can, you can. Woo! That's a lot of rules, Reed. But you it's know, be, that is a lot of rules. We, I sent it oh off to God. the lawyers this afternoon and vet it, had them vet it. You know, man, we got to we got to hire better people. <laughs> like oh man <laughs> That's, it was the it was the intern it's tr- <laughs> it was the intern <laughs> the para, paralegal right 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 so hey, we're guys. gonna post all of these hopefully not too convoluted official rules as a pinned post on the facebook group read i'm excited oh i'm super I hope excited. you're excited oh, very much this so. is a way to win a hundred dollar voodoo credit it's a way to win a t-shirt mm-hmm. uh it's a way to share the love of the fear of god with your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and most importantly, your enemies. Okay? Oh, yes, so, absolutely. Buy yeah, your enemy a yes. pillow. That'd be great. Sure, that'd be amazing, because <laughs> even your enemy needs a place to lay their head. That's exactly right. Aww. Woo! So, I have, uh, so I have one more announcement that's kind of relevant yeah. to, to what we're talking about right here, and then, uh, Tell me. And then we'll, we'll bust right into everything. So, so my announcement is, for those of you, and this was, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a, sort of a an informal apology uh, to a listener. Uh-oh. I don't know if they would want their name thrown out there, so I'm not going to say who it is, but if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, make an informal apology. Uh, a listener had reached out to us and was like, hey, I like all the new segments, but I haven't heard all the new stuff, and so I don't know exactly where to start and stop listening to, in uh, like when we're doing TV guideposts and what you're watching and all this other sort of stuff. So if you'll look into the feed in iTunes, you will see there are some timestamps. It's just some some basic things. We might have some more detailed versions show up uh, eventually, but just a basic timestamp that tells you, okay, if you want to engage with the actual material, but you don't want to hear all this other stuff, you can skip to this point in the episode, and then you will start there. Or if you just want to hear the TV guide posts, or if you just want to hear the What You're Watchings, or if you want to hear it all and you need to go back and forth and blah, 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 you'll have that capacity. So timestamps are now officially available in the episodes in the Facebook feed. So that's that's relevant because before I, I had to say that to tell you this. What? What you watching? <laughs> what you reading? <laughs> what are you listening to? Mm-hmm. Hey, so what you watching? Hey. So what you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? All right, Ruby. Mr. Nathan. Uh, thank you for throwing that to me. I do have a couple. What you watching? Here, two kind of minor ones. One slightly less. Uh, more more than minor, less minor, 
closer to major? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so real quick, a trailer just released that I want to publicly compel people to go watch on HBO on June 26th. HBO has created a documentary called True Justice, uh, which uh, uh, features and or is exclusively about the work of Brian Stevenson. I have been preaching about Brian Stevenson for as long as this show has been active. HBO has filmed a documentary it does release june 26th i would highly encourage everyone to watch it i will plug it again next week awesome um so that's just one the other one the other little small one riri is uh, and feel free to back me up i started downtown abbey Rewind. you did oh my I god did. that's exciting and i'm two episodes into season one i'm gonna i'm just planning to check in with us okay okay I'm all gonna, right as i as we go i'm gonna keep checking in with the delta is Navi. this literally gonna be read. every watch and read and listen to until that no movie no it isn't is it it isn't but every couple of them sure i'll sure. just be like hey guess where i'm at because let me tell you matt uh uh reed i almost called you him matthew crawley's eyes are just they're so piercing oh. they're 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 blue they're dreamy uh you know what else is amazing about that show is maggie smith oh my gosh shrimpy that woman is amazing. She's she is yeah, a gift. She's brilliant. She's a really true wonderful. Gift. A real treasure. So that's my that's my check in on Downton Abbey. But my other sort of less minor slash mildly major is um I did go see Booksmart. Oh I yeah, Booksmart. I have heard great things uh, about that. Haven't seen it. It is fantastic. Cool. Um, I loved it. I didn't love everything about it, okay. but the sum of the parts I loved. The two performers whose names I don't have in front of me are fantastic. The sort of general sensibility of it, I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's genuinely funny. It is racy. I mean, it's a okay. sort of teen comedy. Teen comedy and fits that genre. But uh, by the end of it, I was like, I love this. Nice. So yeah, I saw Booksmart. I loved it. I would recommend it with the small caveat that it's racy. But okay, you know, here we are. What about you? All right. What you watching? So, what you reading? What you listening to? So I have a watching and a listening to. They are the same okay. thing. So um, I had long heard, and I've I actually uh, Instagram followers and Facebook followers were already kind of had a heads up on this, but there's a film that I had heard about for a long time and had never gotten the chance to see it. It's uh, a film from 1970s called Phantom of the Paradise, starring uh, Paul Williams, who wrote and produced most of, uh, if oh, no, all of the music for it. Um, but it is a film directed by the great Brian De Palma, and it is this strange, bizarre, like it's, it's basically an adaptation of three major horror literary works, The Phantom of the Opera, the Picture of Dorian Gray, and Faust. And it kind of takes the major plot beats from each of those three stories, blends them together, and puts them in the 1970s rock nightclub scene. And uh, it is bizarre and absurd and infectious, and the soundtrack is amazing. So, <laughs> like, I love it. Um, I immediately, from the very first... Well, I was really endeared to the movie when... The very, the opening moments of the film feature narration by none other than Twilight Mr. Twilight Zone himself, Rod Serling, who had an un, an uncredited narration in the beginning. And I was like, that is Rod Serling. And sure enough, I looked it up and, and they validated it. So the film itself is really bonkers. It's got 70s sensibilities. Um, it's wacky. It's It's got definite elements of horror, particularly in the last... Uh, third of the film, but a lot of just elements of just bonkers, bananas, 
1970s stuff. The you may be interested in this. Uh, the so Paul Williams, the soundtrack writer and who stars in the film as the uh, the villain in the in the movie. Um, he is actually the songwriter. He's more. I think he had a, a a pretty popular career as a solo artist himself, but uh, wrote a lot of songs uh, that people don't know he wrote. Uh, well, if they're in the know, but the Rainbow Connection. He wrote Rainbow Connection uh, from the Muppets. Yeah. He also wrote the entire soundtrack to Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Nice. And uh, and yeah, and so it's really really cool. And so ever since I saw the film, which I had been anxious to see, had heard about it for many, many years. Shudder finally got it for, I don't know how long they'll have it, but when it dropped on Shudder, I was like, I'm going to prioritize seeing this movie. I'm so glad I did. And then I got the soundtrack, and I've been listening to the soundtrack almost nonstop. That's it's amazing. Hilarious. Yes, so it's awesome. Phantom of the Paradise, directed by Brian De Palma with music and starring, uh, music by and starring Paul Williams. So I just love, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to envision the world where it's like, in your just normal day-to-day life it's like what kind of music you listen to these days reed well <laughs> how long how long do you have to explain this so, one i was listening to the music uh one morning while i was uh getting ready and then my wife comes over and she's like what are you listening to and then i said like <laughs> and then i start it was really funny because i started with like oh it's the soundtrack to this 1970s horror film and then she just goes nope that's all i need to know <laughs> yep yep that sounds that sounds right walks I mean, out of the room. I'm, I'm, I'm your buddy, and I'll go the I'll go into the very fires of Mordor with you. I just don't I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> so that and has I'll, been. I'll, I'll try it out. Yet another installment of what you watching, what you reading, listening to. What you watching, me, what you reading, <laughs> and listening to. Let me guess. That's the tune of one of the songs. Uh, not to Phantom of the Paradise. It was a very, oh, oh, it was a very poor attempt at uh, trying to match the tune of "We're Closer Now Than Ever Before." But it's been a long time since I've heard uh, that song, so I don't think I have. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, there's, there's, I never would have gotten that. Yeah, well, there, see, see I, I, why do I try? That's it. That's, I love it. Do you now? <laughs> <laughs> do you love it? Okay. We're just still. We gotta shake our sillies out. We gotta get. <laughs> I don't gotta know, plug man. In it's, here, Reed. it's it's funny or die. So okay. So listen. It is. Uh, I don't want to die though. Listen. Here's the deal. Um, what? Last week, yeah. I feel like I kind of let us down. So. Um, oh. What? I did. I mean, no, like which, I us, which time? Which time? What are you talking? Which time? You jerk. <laughs> what are you talking? Say to which time? <laughs> you let us down a lot. Reed, I mean, as a matter of fact. I mean, no. Just share, no, Reed. What's on your heart? Grief. Which time? You jerk. <laughs> Which time your face? Um, okay. so, so I was feeling a little bad because, like, I had a whole week to prepare for, you know, how I was going to enter into, you know, funny or die or not funny or die. Uh, how I was going to lead into like TV guide posts, and I, oh. I kind of did the Star Trek thing that didn't work too well. I kind of did the MacGyver oh, thing buddy. that didn't work too well, you know. So, That's okay. so you keep asking for a tune, and I think, uh, you know, I, I wanted to take another crack at it if you don't mind. So. <clears throat> I mean, it's your. It's. Do you mind? It's, it's your it's your show too. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take a turn at it. All right. Are you ready? So. Uh, okay. So here we go. Okay. On this week's installment of TV Guideposts on the Fear of God, we follow the continuing adventures of Ash Williams and Kelly and Pablo as they continue to try to defeat the Deadites by banishing them with the Necronomicon. 
The Book of the Dead. Join us now for the next installment of Ash vs. Evil Dead on the Fear of God's TV Guideposts. That was lovely. Look at there. It's so much better than your half-assed attempts at Oh my gosh. (laughs) They were not remotely. No. They were I was I was full commitment on all those. They were, they were particularly on But I loved this. I loved this. I I mean that was really impressive, the little 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 tinkle in the background. Yeah, you know? Like I wasn't tinkling. I don't know what you thought you heard. (laughs) Just in the back no, it was in the foreground. Oh. <laughs> that's that's the next installment of TV Guidepost. Um, oh. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, I love it. You know, it's like and and that music. It was just spot on yeah. with the tone of Ash versus Evil Dead. It's so, uh, no, it's identical. No, think, absolutely, yes. I think maybe that's that's a winner. That's a keeper. Okay, all right, um, good. Well, I'm glad. So I, yeah, I good job, good job, Reed. Way to course correct. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Ash versus Evil Dead, season one, TV Guidepost, episodes seven through nine, right? Yes. Seven, eight, nine. We're going to be going into the next three episodes in this series of season one. We're almost done with season one already, but episodes seven through nine. Um, so this these particular core trio of episodes find our heroes going back to the legendary cabin from Evil Dead and Evil Dead to uh, the one and only cabin out in the woods, the original cabin out in the woods. Um, so as I want to do, because I'm very fond of the show and familiar with the show, I want to hear what your thoughts were. So do you have any, you know, want to r- just run through kind of, you know, piece by piece, uh, episode by episode, if you will, the your likes, dislikes, any scares, any particular notes that you've made? Uh, sure. Um, I actually, I, uh, the episode seven is the kind of militia, right? Out in the That's woods. the militia. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's called, uh, I, I I'll look it up. I, and didn't, I'll I didn't really love that episode. Um, although I am, my fondness for the series is growing the further we get. So, mm, you know, mm. even, even mild reaction, I, I don't know. Just, I'm trying not to tip my hand towards season two, but, um, okay, sure. I do, I do, I do love how the production gifted Bruce Campbell the quote unquote robot hand. Oh, so that that's great. the poor guy doesn't have to be in a stupid prosthetic the entire production run of the series. Sure. You know? Because, because even early on in the series, I was like, man, this takes commitment to <laughs> just push through with the, the wooden hand or the no hand sure. or the oh, chainsaw sure. yeah. hand. Um, so I, I did appreciate that. It's like, hey, Bruce, you can use your actual hand. Let's just put a funky looking. It's like the it's like the NES power glove. I love how the NES. Oh, it up, does like so much. <laughs> Gosh, That's what it looks so like, dead. though. Yes. Um, oh, it absolutely does. So that was great. Um, I don't know if it was great or it's just that ridiculous. But the set piece with the truck pinned Deadite and Pablo and Kelly with the gun. That's one of my favorite things. Oh my gosh, where where Pablo just like keeps getting like pulled in front of the thing, and she keeps getting rocked back. The, the gun she's trying to get used. It's brilliant. So that that scene that's on my notes as well. Like I love that. That whole sequence is fantastic. They actually just added that scene because they had planned originally to spend a lot more time down in the bunker with Ash and Officer Fisher versus Lim. That was going to be sort of the core of the episode, but it was really dark down there. It proved difficult. Uh, it was a bit claustrophobic so they were like let's bring it up a little bit and they wanted to utilize kelly and pablo more they also wanted a lot more gore in the episode so this whole the whole gun scene was just kind of conceived on the fly as an opportunity for them to do all of that i think it's hysterical it's it's really wonderful yeah it was it was a strong albeit quite gory bit um (laughs) but yeah that's interesting because 
you know, and, and we're more or less tiptoeing to this in this trio of episodes, but I actually, what I wrote down for this episode before watching eight and nine was the chemistry with Ash and the cop is not working. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that episode that spends so much time underground and it's got that sort of oddly choreographed fight with the 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 head, you know, militia redneck guy. Yeah, Lem. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which I will say that was a pretty cool visual of the fire sure, breathing yeah. thing, but I, I really, I just I don't know. I, I was not a fan of the militia side plot, and and understood. And definitely yeah. was not a fan of the. Which which isn't to say you know don't give Ash a love interest. It's just like something about those two actors or those two characters. It just didn't click. It didn't work for me. Sure. No, I understand. And I kind of agree. I don't know what the, what the actual dynamics were on set. From what I understand, everything about the filming of Ash vs. Evil Dead was fun, enjoyable. Everybody who worked on it seems to have loved it. Um, seems like it was a really sort of family set in terms of everybody just pitching in and having a good time but yeah it, it, it does feel a little stilted like his whole thing with her I, I the part that i don't buy is her like affection back towards him like it's just yeah. i feel like i feel like it was a little bit better it's not earned no as if she had been if she had stayed kind of perpetually like shut up you're ridiculous like i think that would have probably been a little bit better dynamic um but well uh, it kind of it actually reminds me of and and again i actually do think the show gets stronger especially to where I'm currently at. But it reminds me of her character seeing the the Xena and the skeleton disappear into the fire and just the needs of the story push her past that moment with no acknowledgement. Like that's yeah, what that course. character largely felt like was, yeah. well, we kind of want Ash to have a, a mutual attraction with someone, so we'll make it this person. But yeah, it really, it really was not earned as far as the narrative goes. No, I agree. And that's a, perhaps a good pivot into one of my notes, if, if you're done with that episode. Yeah, yep. uh, one of my notes for Ashes to Ashes is I actually thought it was a pre- I was pretty shocked the first time through when they killed that character. So obviously there's spoilers for all these things. but So I don't know how that all developed or if that was the plan from the beginning, but when they straight up killed Officer Fisher in Ashes to Ashes, I was like, oh, dang. Like, I thought they were setting her up to be, you know, one of the the group of people and maybe at the end right. of the maybe at the end of the season she would you know move on or go away or whatever but i was like no nope, they just totally just just took her out just completely and in such a kind of a brutal way she has this uh holding her own kind of fight against evil ash and then suddenly like right when you think she's kind of gotten the better of him and won then he just uh, sideswipes her and takes her out. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and that was the thing is like, I was almost kind of expecting some sort of retcon reboot to bring the character back, but that's not this show. <laughs> Plus right. they drag out her death in a way that's almost painful. <laughs> like just, just, well, yeah. and unfortunately, so I, you know, in posting on Instagram, our TV guide posts, one of oh, the, yeah. literally one of the very first photos in the album for this show is the, is a picture of her in deadite makeup. And I was oh, like, Oh man, oh. you know, okay. so, sure, so like, sure. I didn't, I didn't know when whatever was going to happen happened, but when she died, I, I, although I'm with you, like for 10 episode, 30 minute show seasons, yeah, it sure. feels a pretty she feels like she's supposed to be important in the beginning, and then they just kind of offer. Now, I don't know if, again, production-wise, it's like, well, it shows we mean business kind of storytelling right, sure. Raises or whatever. Stakes or whatever. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised that happened when it did. Now, I 
there's a lot about those last two episodes that I enjoy and I'm not pivoting directly into not into nine yet, but I love in eight the just echoes of the films, like just kind of the way they incorporate footage is really clever. It's not pure, Mm -hmm. just kind of flashback kind of stuff. Right. Um, Right. And I've, I've seen those movies read, so I can appreciate. Yes. Well, and I must comment and, and, you know, he tons of praise on the uh, production staff for Ash versus evil dead. They meticulously, recreated the cabin from evil dead Two. like they right. the, the production se- uh, production team said that they studied that uh, so basically like from filming of episode one of the season the pr- a production team was at work recreating the cabin so that we could get there in the end and they were looking like frame by frame of that movie uh little props things on the wall things that had uh you know if you'll notice there are tons of like callbacks if there was a character who sort of met their demise in evil dead 2 well their their body is likely still there yeah like yeah, just yeah. Tons that was fun. and tons of specific call outs and so um so yeah just a lot of and that's the kind of thing the fan base for ash versus evil dead is uh not this is by the show creator's own admission this is kind of their words that fan base is not huge but they are rabidly affectionate for it. They know this material. They're really in on it. And so they went into this show really wanting to please them. That's their audience. That's their, like, we want to make them happy. Sure. And, um, and so I think their efforts really paid off. Like, that cabin looks seamless from having just recently myself seen, again, Evil Dead 2, you for the first time, me for however many, but but a recent viewing, we watched it together. It, it looks completely like the other one their their attention to accuracy and detail really shows so still in eight um i i did enjoy the gag of the ashes naming each other's maladies that was <laughs> that's that was on my fun. notes too yeah he said you gotta trick me you got false teeth you, you got, got a bum shoulder, bum shoulder. Softballs. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's great yeah it's really great i love it did you have anything else for eight? No. Okay. Nope. So, <laughs> so I have a lot of my notes for episode nine are just lines. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh huh. Like they're gonna go to Philadelphia, Choklahoma, and Diami. Choklahoma <laughs> City, to be correct. Choklahoma City. Yes. Yes. No, I <laughs> love that. So I love. Well, and I love that the show. Um, you know, Bruce Campbell is such a cult star. Mm-hmm. But, and I'll be doggone if I didn't look up the actors' names. But the car- the actors playing Kelly and Pablo, so that's really, uh, yeah. Please. Uh, so the Kelly is played by Dana De Lorenzo, and Pablo is played by Ray Santiago. Um, but they really do a good job servicing those actors as competent foils to Ash. And so oh, I really love, so. you know, the, the back and forth of Ash and Kelly in that scene, you know, where they're, where they're naming the, the city name. So that, no, that, was, <laughs> that was really good. That's great. And I, do, I will say, like, I think, here's the thing, man. Bruce Campbell is the real big draw. He deservedly is carrying sort of the weight of the series. You don't have uh, a series like this without the character of Ash. But I think this show would not have been what 
it was and how successful it was without the characters of Pablo and Kelly, man. Like I think they they make such a an outstanding trio, the the three of the you know, the pair of them with Ash. It's just uh, it's really wonderful. Those those two performers are really charismatic and uh you know we talk about like the lack of chemistry with officer fisher and bruce campbell and you know ash but uh the three of them i don't know what their dynamic was offset but they really seem like they get along they play off of each other really well like the lines crackle they have great reactions to one another it's just it's a really great trio of of people and uh yeah i think that's what makes the show work so well it's a major factor to it yeah um now you you probably got some more stuff that can fill in here, but just a couple him, more notes. Him chainsawing his dupe, his double is pretty nasty. But I did love oh. just the two of us playing over just it. Just the was, two. Of us. <laughs> that was really clever. <laughs> so great. Oh man, I do have a couple of lines that just keep going back to. And then I get to say, "Hey, evil, why don't you eat my butt?" <laughs> and then I love it when he's like he's trying to get the better of Ruby and then like she she foils him up and puts the chainsaw up against his neck and Bruce Campbell's like, uh that didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, um and then my the last sort of line exchange that I have is she just looks at him and she says, Say one more dumb thing and he says, I'm gonna say a lot of dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Just, yeah. <laughs> so it is great. I I have enjoyed there've been a couple of moments. And I don't know if this, I don't think it means I'm smart. It just means I'm dumb and the show's catering to me. But uh, <laughs> there have been a few moments where the gag, the line is telegraphed, but I, I guessed it in my head of what's next and I yeah, still chuckle. Yeah. But it's lines like that, <laughs> you know. There's, it's, it's great. There's, there's one yet to come where, what is it? He's talking about his bedroom and he says, don't mess it up or something. Oh, know. yes. We'll yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I w- here's a question for you and I don't I truly don't know if I care if you spoil this but so in episode 1 or 2 maybe 2 or 3 Ruby is referenced as a sibling to the girl in Evil Dead 2 Yes yes does the nature of where we're at now undercut that like is she was lying Okay, okay, she was okay. like, yeah, she was she was straight up lying. Yeah. So her true identity, which is kind of funny, like when she rises out of the ashes, it's something that's like y- you kind of don't know exactly why that's happening or don't have full context for it or anything. But then when she reveals, the, I'm sorry to cut you off. That was the one. Yeah. Se- so like my sweet wife who endures so much of these things that I watch. And oh she just walks gosh. through a room. So, you know, Ash versus Evil Dead is like it's an it's an acquired taste. I mean, it's taken sure, me of a, a yeah, six, seven, eight, nine episodes now to acquire that taste. Right? <laughs> right. But I'm, but I'm pretty much there. I'm on the wavelength. Mm-hmm. I can chuckle with the humor and, and kind of, you know, kind of roll my eyes at the over amount of gore or whatever. Well, I mean, if you know zero about Sam Raimi, evil dead, the show, right, right, the, right. the level of absurd gore, and you just happen to catch a scene, like it, it's a, it's a doozy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, she, she's in the room when Zena comes back to life in the oh, in the fire, God. and I'm like, oh, oh, give me a break, you know? <laughs> like, of Why course, she's like, this? she's like, what are you watching? Like, I'll of just, course, just, nope, just of course, roll up, go, just, 
Read your book, you know. <laughs> Move on. This is, this is high art. This is high art. Oh, my art. gosh. That's anyway. hysterical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have anything, yeah. else, on, anything else for you on 9? Uh, no, just continuing on with Ruby. So, yeah, like, so obviously when she was saying that she was a Nobi from, you know, related to the family from Evil Dead 2, she was, she was being deceitful about that. Her identity revealed to be, you know, like one of the writers of the Necronomicon, potentially the writer of the Necronomicon, which means she's one of, and that they expand this mythology as the show goes on a little bit but she's one of what they call the dark ones um okay okay just, you know well you can you can you can stop there i, I know okay. i said i know i said you can spoil it all and i apologize for being misleading there what i was just trying to figure out was was she lying about being the sister i, I am oh, curious gotcha. to have yeah. the mythology reveal itself to me but oh gotcha okay yeah, yeah. cool i'm sorry yeah no, um, no, no, that's you, fine. You did what you were a good friend and did what I was asking. I just inadvertently asked it the wrong way. <laughs> so well, uh, that's all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So so I'll I'll spare you spoiling the mythology and moving on. And so uh, that concludes yet another installment of hashtag TV guideposts presented to you by the fear of God. Join us next week when we will be presenting to you our thoughts on the finale of Season 1 of Ash vs. Evil Dead and the first couple of episodes of Season 2. Be well, everybody, and we'll see you then. That's so lovely. It's like I've been on an elevator or like, like in a warm bath. Here we have finally realized our Peace of God podcast. <laughs> By discussing Ash versus Evil Dead, of all things. Well, you know, <laughs> that's what we do. So, uh, speaking of verses. Wow, yeah. Evil Dead, the but, Pearl Jam uh, album? Yeah, that's a good album. It is a good okay. album. That's a good album. That's, that's, the one with, that's the one with Go on it, isn't it? No, Animal? Go is on 10. Yeah. Versus is, is yep. Versus is elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Oh, it's um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, oh crap! I don't have the set the the track list um, in front of me. Better man, some... is it better man? Better man on there? Yes. Okay. Or is that on um, Vitology? Nothing yeah, man. It's on is Vitology. It? Nothing man and nothing man and better man are on Vitology. They had a thing about the better nothing man. Yeah, they do. Nonetheless, elderly woman. That's a. This is not the Pearl Jam podcast. (laughs) Clearly, clearly, because we're like, oh, was it that album or that album? Like, (laughs) that would actually be a good podcast. Get two guys who generally know a sort of era of a certain band's (laughs) maybe albums, and just and just just have them try to pinpoint what songs are on. (laughs) What's that song? I like is it, it though. Is it daughter is a wait, uh, so, daughter. So, yeah, that's on. Uh, that's on versus. That's on versus. Oh, is it? I finally got one. <laughs> Yay! Uh, that I sounds win. right. Yes, that's a great. That's Maybe. yes. That's a yeah. good song. I'm pretty brain, sure it brain is. Of, brain of Jay is not on there. That's no, 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 no. I don't even know that yeah, one. That's, that's that's a good song. Woo! For, for, All right. Pearl Jam, so Pearl Jam's a good band. <laughs> they are. They are. I would that they'd be one of my like if you were to say like name one of your bands that you'd have never seen. Don't know that mm, I'm but like, like rabid it. enough to like track it down. But sure, would love sure. to go see. They'd be one of them. Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. So I did have an Eddie Vedder poster when I was in high school. Did you? I did. Wow. All I can right. still still picture it. Okay. Yeah, we were we were Pearl Jam fans in my house. This is uh, going on longer than I expected it to. But, <laughs> but. <laughs> you can, ah, you can cut it out. It's what you I do. Ain't, I ain't cutting it out. <laughs> it's what we do. Um, so Tucker and Dale versus Evil Reed. 
Yes, we are there it is. Our next, next installment of Funny or Die, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. So uh, this is a film that when I first saw it, I was really, really taken with it and fond of it. I thought it was insanely clever, um, really inter, you know, uh, sort of upended and played around with people's expectations and common horror tropes. Was this your second time seeing it or your only? Your, uh, I know you had seen it before, but was it your second or third? This read was my second time seeing Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, okay. So yes, I had seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil a while back, and honestly, when this first made the Funny or Die list, I was actually a little ambivalent because I I remember I I don't I don't recall why I would have had this feeling, but I remember being a bit neutral the first time I saw it. Um, okay, so. And I really can't remember contextually why that might have been the case, other than maybe a lot of hype around it, that sort of thing. But oh, sure. Okay. But yeah, yeah, for yeah. this rewatch, man, I came away totally enamored. Um, oh yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it's yeah, just it. it's it is fun. It is actually funny. It mm-hmm. is. Oh yeah. Cle- it's clever. Um, it's got a really good. It's very. It's it's got. It's very self assured in what it's doing. Yeah. And I yeah. really appreciate that. No, absolutely, absolutely, and um, that's the that's the funny thing about this particular movie is you kind of know you're going into something, you know. Uh, I don't know what the tense version of this would be that it, that is a parody of sorts, but those things can go one of two ways, and typically they tend to you know to lean heavily into just. Absurd stupidity. This this is really alarmingly clever. The whole script is just very very clever. The well, ways, how would you? Yeah. Um, would you categorize something like Scream as that parody? No, 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 no. Okay, I well, categorize par- parody as pretty. Like, I think there's a difference between self awareness and parody. So parody, it would basically be like that. We don't care about plot. This is a sequence of setups and gags that are purely meant to. Okay, like a scary movie. Yes, scary okay. movie is yes, absolutely yes, yes, a parody, yes. you know. And, yes, uh, and, and I think where this, I'm sorry to cut you off, but but I'm piggybacking on this parody idea and 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 how I would distinguish Tucker and Dale as being quite different than that. Part of it too is while yes, the the college kids uh, thread, you know, is is a bit meta or it's quite meta. Um, but the film on the whole is incredibly sincere and full of yes. heart. Like yes. that's one thing I love about it. And that's what sets it apart I think from some of its peers is it really does have um you know this this sort of sentiment at its anchor uh, at its center that is really uh it works really really well. Like you you really begin to kind of uh Tucker and Dale are endearing. They're very yes. endearing characters, very. you know. Tyler Labine, man, I like I really, really dig that guy. I've seen him in several things now, and uh, I really enjoy him as. A I performer. do recognize him, but I'm not sure what else from. So um, the so there's a couple of th- most recently I know him in a purely dramatic role uh, on one of the new shows called New Amsterdam. It's like a medical drama, um, and he plays dramatically different in that. You, he plays. you and my you and my mother in law love that show. Oh, dude. <laughs> um, so, but uh, he was he was also in. Oh gosh, what was the name of that show? He was in something that was rather short lived that I loved. Oh, he was in a show called Mad Love. That was the first thing that I remember seeing him from a very short lived, I think, one season comedy. Um, he was in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I think, as a as a minor character. 
Um, he was, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised uh, you don't know him from uh, not one, not two, but three episodes of X Files. Maybe that's where you're remembering him from. Maybe what what episode names? War of the Coprophages. No, he's, oh, he's. I bet he's one of the druggies. That's the Roach he episode. Of, he is one of the druggies. Yeah, he is one of the druggies. He's also I mean, in come Quagmire. On, was... Yeah, yeah. And then Quagmire. Um, no, and then he was in the he was in the first season of the reboot uh, in the episode called uh, Mulder and Scully Meet the Wear Monster. So, That's a good one. Yeah, that's one of the so, only good ones of that reboot. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, cool. Yeah. X Files. This is what like the third in a row. That's yeah, great. I'll see great. how see how far we go. Um, yep. So we'll do. Uh, we'll just start a TV guidepost of X Files after okay. Ashley's Evil Dead, and it'll go for like ten years <laughs> into the future. <laughs> um, but also, I do, just because I've given Tyler Labine a lot of love, I also got to give some huge props to Alan Tudyk. Uh, I mean, he's really so great good. Character. Yeah, really great. Oh character my gosh. Actor. And um, he's wonderful. The diversity of the type of his, roles he plays is really yeah, impressive. I mean, his hey hey is amazing. He's hey hey. Yeah, I did not in, know that he's hey hey. Really? Yes, he's hey hey. He's. I didn't even yes. know hey hey had any lines. Oh, hey hey's got some lines. Really? Ask my ask my daughter who. Well, <laughs> his line is just him screaming and squawking. Oh, but that's yes, it, but that's Alan it's Alan Tudyk. Yes, in <laughs> fact. Right. I love that. A little peek behind the curtain. I tried to tweet to Mr. Tudyk to see if we could get him on the show for this episode. Oh, you know, really? aim, oh. aim, aim big, right? Sure, and I, I happened, yeah. I happened to include in the caveat, my two-year-old loves you as hey, hey. Um, Did he tweet you back? No, not at all. Um, that's a, that's okay. That's all right. One day, one we, day, we, Alan. We still, we still love him. But he's also in Moana. He's got two roles in Moana. He's hey, hey, and he's just the old elder who's moving the hot coals or whatever that hey hey walks across okay yeah um but he's in he's got a great you can tell where my my movie watching lies these last 10 years he's got this great reversal and so he's in frozen you know as Mm -hmm. as the wesselton representatives representative well then he's in zootopia as the weasel oh wow Right, because in Frozen they joke about him being from Weasel Town, and he's like Wesselton. Oh, and so then in Zootopia so he's the actual weasel as a riff wow. on that role. But no, oh he's gosh. he's amazing. And isn't he Wall from Firefly? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, it's not. No, his name is Wash. Wash, not Wall. Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched. He's that. he is a leaf on the wind. Watch how he soars. Oh, uh, that's but his last. That's his last. I line, will soon. Thanks to uh, thanks to old Jeff Hansen, I will soon get the opportunity to rewatch it again because he let me borrow it. So. What Serenity? Thanks, Jeff. No, Firefly. Oh, all right. That's a yeah. great. You and I watched Serenity together. We did watch Serenity in the together. movies. That was fun. That was fun. Did we do that? We're, we're talking no, about we a didn't lot do that, that. That's not the film. Because we went to go see Serenity, and we ended up seeing Exorcism of Emily Rose. Is that what happened? Yes, that's what I happened. For some that. reason, it was sold out or something. Because wow. I saw Serenity in the theater. <clears throat> Maybe we saw it together, but I remember we were in Georgia and we went to go see oh. Serenity, and for whatever reason, had to pivot and went to see Emily Rose. Anyway, wow, yeah, that's some deep cut, man. I'm glad that you're... is that is wow. This is that um, this episode is all over the it, place. We're we're just going everywhere. Hi, buddy. It's been a while since hey. we talked. So, hey, real quick, um, trivial bit. I got a trivial bit for you. Sure, go ahead. I only can have I do one. that. Yeah, okay. please. Do. What's your What's yours? E- Eli Craig's parentage. I don't know anything about that. All right, good. Is, Go it, ahead. is, it, Jen, is it Jenny Craig? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So my 
<laughs> That's better than what I was going to say. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there, there was a note about the whether or not of sequelness. I don't know if you read this, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At uh, in 2014, the two actors, the two leads, confirmed a sequel is in. This movie came out in 2010. In 14, they confirmed a sequel is in development. In 2016, they revealed they're still actively developing things despite other commitments. And then at the Boston Comic Con in 2017, yeah, oh, hey, hey, himself said that a script had been written, but at least according to this note, was disappointing and unlikely to be moving forward. Which, yeah. you know, I would love to see these two performers together again, but I mean, that's sure, fine, you know. Yeah, and like I, I go back and forth on the whole sequel thing because, like, honestly, had they made a Tucker and Dale versus Evil two, and it was really wonderful and it was great and and all that fun good stuff, like I would have embraced it, I would have loved it, I would have you know gone to watch it. We love sequels, that's fine, but I, I, I don't think I'm quite on the fence with the whole like there needs to be a sequel. Something's wild and popular and successful, so then we have to make another one. Like I just really love that oh Tucker and Dale versus Evil is just this self-contained right, little yeah. piece and and uh you know it it is complete unto itself and is very enjoyable unto itself um Eli Craig has made another movie a direct to Netflix film called Little Evil have you heard of it it's uh, um I think I, the only reason I think I did is because I also uh I also tweeted to him and I didn't hear anything back oh, oh that's really funny um but the uh <laughs> But yeah, so the, it's actually uh, it was a direct to Netflix film starring uh, Adam Scott and uh, Evangeline Lilly actually about uh, this uh, couple that uh, they it's it's uh, I think it's a blended family. So like the main our main character Gary has just married uh, Evangeline Lilly and then her six year old son he highly suspects might be the actual Antichrist and that's the premise of the of the film. It's uh, it's pretty funny. It's pretty charming. I really enjoyed it. It's not as strong as Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but I still really kind of enjoyed it. My um, particular trivial bit for Tucker and Dale versus Evil was just simply that uh, Eli Craig is uh, Sally Field's son. Oh, so I just I just thought that right. was interesting. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, that's uh that's my only little that's my only little trivial bit to do with the thing. Do you think at a certain point as as a little tyke, Eli looked up at his mama and said, You love me. You really love me. I think that's probably where she got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Or maybe where he got it. I don't know what so, happened. So speaking of uh and I think the line is actually you you like me, you really like me. Oh, and speaking oh of likes God. I am failing tonight i'm sorry i'm just like zing zing miss miss miss. but but speaking of likes uh it was actually a deft transition and you didn't even know it um so i caught it i was just i was just i was just kind of just wallowing in my own oh oh that's okay you need a you need a hug that'd be nice i'm sorry it's gonna take me a minute (laughs) speaking Um, of likes (laughs) so um yeah i mean i've got a few Little likes, dislikes here. Most of them just revolving around some of the scenarios that the film props up. But what what have you got? So much. Okay. Um, just to you, I want to say, you're a good looking man, more or less. More <laughs> <laughs> or less. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, great. I mean, there are so many great just lines. I guess maybe as a as an inciting uh, premise or an an inciting like. I just, I mean, the premise is so strong. Like it just really, it really is. Yeah. 
Uh, it's possible in a purely academic critical way. Someone might say, this is like two different movies. Part of that is the fun of it. You know? Like oh, I agree. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you go over to the young people and the, the, the music cues are real, you know, mm-hmm. oppressive and scary sound, right. scary movie sounding. And then you cut over to them and it's just kind of cheery and warm. <laughs> and, you know, and I just, I just love those tones bouncing off each other it was a lot of fun sure sure um i love speaking of lines so i lo- i just love when he wa- i don't know why when he attempts the first time to talk to the pretty girl he walks over holding like a wheat scythe <laughs> oh yeah 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 that. and then well, and then I, I mean it's meant it's, to be like funny of course of course but he walks over and i just love his little hysterical like he's like y- y'all going camping <laughs> 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 It's so great. It's like this and uh and I think I think he actually says I think that was an ad lib by Tyler Levine where he's like they just they hate my face or something. I, f- I forget exactly what he says, but he's like they just hate my face. Um yeah, so it's really great. I love that. the song Pump Up the Jam. So I love that oh. it shows up in the the Memorial Day Massacre flashback. Um Yep. <laughs> I mean, I love uh, most of, most of what I w- wrote is just lines. Uh, so, okay, sure. You sure. know, out on the water. When you see a college girl prancing around half naked, you do not go and yell out my name. <laughs> oh my God. I do love the other one. Another one. I should have known if a guy like me talked to a girl like you, somebody'd end up dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite funny lines is after uh, the wood chipper death. Tucker just says to the kid, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, I love the kids. I, well, again, another broad umbrella note. I love that Tucker and Dale just refer to them as college kids. And like, the that's college- what they, that's what they yell. When they're college kids. College yeah. kids. Oh my gosh. I love it. Another line that I wrote down is when their friend is set on fire back in the cabin and, and then, like, oh, he's crackling like a log. <laughs> it just struck me funny. Oh, that that one did? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> wow. Here I thought we were sharing funny lines. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you said, oh, I love that one. <laughs> that one wasn't and that I'm like, funny. Oh, man. It's like, oh, I love that one. And I just hear the crickets. Just, I know. I'm sorry. Um, it's all right. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great bit when Tucker and Dale are walking through the woods and the college kids overhear them saying stuff like finishing her off and you beat everybody. They're talking about oh, the board games. It's great. That's yeah, great. It's really, really funny. That's great. Really so basically, funny. basically, I think what we're establishing, Reed, is our likes, dislikes, and I don't really have any scares. Is just lines. So we can just continue <laughs> the parade of great lines. I do have I do I, I wrote it down in scares even though it's played for laughs but the wood chipper scene is just outrageous. That's like, intense. I, I I I wrote it again I wrote it down in scares but even it is played for laughs. Um, but I do like getting back to this would probably be just the likes dislikes like it's really clever the way all of these things happen like when he when Tucker like chops through the um, the hornet's nest. And right, then he's right. and then he's running away with the chainsaw. It's like it makes perfect sense, but in the context from this one guy who's like, "Oh, he's running after me with a chainsaw!" Right. And then like it's just yeah, all of that is just really great. Um, what the, I love, the, I lo- I'm sorry to cut you off. I love just the like one thing that is impressive to me is even though Dale is sort of initially drawn as dumb, 
Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that they are. How do I even phrase it? Like they aren't buffoonish. They mm-hmm. are, you know, they fit a little bit of broad categorization, but. I just, I just love how they're as dumbfounded by the scenarios they continue finding themselves in. Like, I just love yeah. that oh, aspect absolutely. of it. It's like, oh my god! Like, what is, what are the, why are these kids killing themselves? <laughs> these kids are all killing themselves <laughs> on our property. Oh my god! I love when they're trying to explain everything to the cop, and they're like, yeah. uh, so, so we have had a doozy of a day. <laughs> 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 we bought this new house. You know, it's our vacation home. And these college kids just showed up and started killing themselves all over our property. It was, <laughs> that was, it's so great. And the cop's like, yeah, I would have to be some, it's literally play by play exactly what Tucker had told Dale would happen. And the cop's like, I would have to be some sort of moron to believe a story like that. It's just, I, yeah, it's, well, it's and I don't know, I, you know, I don't know stuff like this just interests me. Like what the conversations were production wise to the actors, like, you know, um, the two leads just commit so hard to like, they yeah. are just, they are in another movie. Like they're yeah. not in, oh, yeah. they're, they're not in a scary movie. They're just in mm-hmm. a, oh my gosh, weirdos keep killing themselves right in front of us movie. Like, <laughs> but just trying to go about their business. And that's just a really impressive conceit to me. It's, um, no, it really is. <laughs> I love when the when the cop is tottering around from his head wound and he says he looks like he's gonna walk it off he's gonna be fine <laughs> he's gonna walk it off he's gonna be okay like the guy's got nails like chucked through oh his god. forehead he's <laughs> like he's gonna be alright oh my god and I love I lo- this wasn't wasn't so much funny I just I was, it, it's such a natural and understandable reaction where like after all of that stuff and the cabin blows up and everything and then uh, Allie is in there's like I'm a terrible therapist and then Dale doesn't miss a beat. He's like, no, I thought you were really good. We were on the verge of a breakthrough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it was great. I I love, uh, oh, my God, they cut off his bowling fingers. (laughs) 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 They call back to it when they're in the bowling alley afterwards. And then the the guy, the friend of Dale, said that she has got some a great set of and then like he's holding his hands up and he's like great set of bowling fingers yeah <laughs> it's just really funny it's funny i love um it. uh i i did love the um uh when ally and dale and chad are sitting at the table and and chad tells his backstory and just everybody is like gobsmacked and slack jawed <laughs> and she she, she 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 says uh okay <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Chad. <laughs> oh my god, it's great! It's so great. What I don't remember exactly where this happens. It must be right. Uh, oh yeah, it must be when Allie is tied up at, at the you know kind of the log, the log saw thing. Okay, sure. And yeah, she yeah. Sa- she says, uh, "Thank you for coming for me." And Dale says, "It's no big deal. I was heading this way anyway." <laughs> <laughs> that's great 
Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, it's a really, and that's the thing, man. Like the movie is very rewarding, just in terms of like those little subtle moments that are almost, you know, they they don't they don't wink at the camera very much. And there was a lot of opportunity in this film to wink at the camera, but instead, like you said, you mentioned the sincerity of it, and I think that's part of why it works so well. These, um, you know, it, a, a lot of it is Tudyk and Labine's performance. Um, a lot of it is the specific direction by Eli Craig, but they they just fully commit to the sort of dual nature of it. If there is any absurdity to it, honestly, and, and this is not a ding from me, but I could understand if somebody else found it one. The only absurdity, like, to me, or, like, the sort of the too-farness is uh, just how... Uh, outrageous Chad's character is like just how sort of yeah. immediately aggressive yeah, yeah, yeah. and violent he is and everything and it it works for the film because he's ultimately the film's villain but uh, if the, and again it's not a ding for me because I still enjoy it I think it all works really well but if somebody were to say like well yeah that one buffoonish you know sort of frat boy is is kind of unbelievable I wouldn't argue very hard I was like yeah no I, 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 I get it um, well I didn't I, I think you and I both uh, have admitted that we, you know, didn't really have much for scares. It's not really that type of of film. I have a theme that I'd like to unpack, but I want to uh, give you an opportunity if you had anything specifically burning that you wanted to to bring up. Um, I mean, I do have some thematic notes. Nothing like you know in essay form but lead, sure lead, sure lead with what you got and we'll just see where it goes so i've got a line um and i have some thoughts on this line it's tucker's line it's played for laughs but uh kind of hit me pretty hard when i was thinking about like just how this film is playing around with different perspectives um he says it doesn't matter what happened what matters is what looks like what happened hmm. and i do love how much the film plays with absent context and recontextualizing everything like uh, the film is constantly playing in funny ways with you know it's not I don't think it's trying to be a very deep introspective film not at all but uh, in very clever deft ways it's playing around with what happens when you have no context for what you're seeing and not only when you have no context but when you have like specifically false context for what you're seeing like when Tucker and Dale first arrive at this admittedly very scary cabin but then they're talking like oh these people are into archaeology and then like and then they you know the little death beam sort of you know flies down right. and they're like oh gotta fix that <laughs> you know um but then you you pivot over to the the college kids they hear that story about you know killer hillbillies and then everything they see is through that perspective they can never break free from that perspective, from what they had been told, and and what struck me so much in the in the film is there's immediate dismissal of any possible alternate conclusion to the exact same thing they're witnessing. It's like what they're witnessing. Oh, they must be trapped. It's not possible. They're like, oh, maybe we were wrong about this whole thing. Like maybe we're in actively incorrect about what we're presuming is going on here. And I just feel like in very clever comedic ways. The film has the potential to to make us interrogate the or the ways we ourselves um, insist that a particular narrative or a particular ex- perspective is the only possible conclusion we can draw from the evidence at hand or from what we've been witnessing. And I find that uh, thought provoking. Uh, I wouldn't call this film, you know, 
utterly profound, but it definitely provokes some thought to think about like, man, yeah, you, you remove the context from certain things, and it's really easy to draw some painfully wrong conclusions from what you're seeing. And uh, anyway, that's, that's something that really struck me uh, that we can you know, talk about for a little while or unpack or pivot around. Uh, it, you know, uh, that's what I got. You know, it's funny. You said, you well, I don't exactly know how you verbalized it, but something to the effect of this movie may not have much on its mind necessarily. And, and apologies if that's a, a too reductive way of articulating it. But I, I, uh, it's hard to say. I like I do think there's some pretty interesting stuff at work. Like, like to yeah. to uh, take the building blocks you've laid and sort of keep. Um, keep scaling up like one as a slight little aside and then i'll jump right back in i I love the the tucker and dale note to each other when tucker has to get left and he's like friends forever and he says best friends forever i I just wrote down like this is a really heartwarming story this is really impressive how how sincere it is and how uncynical their characters are Um, absolutely yeah but you just made me think of this one of my one of my themes i did write down is the need for healthy communication across demographics Mm, mm -hmm. in tandem with that. What I wrote, because it's interesting. I've used the phrase, this whole conversation, or at least what of this conversation has been about this movie, two different movies. Like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And read how often do we live as though the life Mm. you're living and mine are two different narratives. Yeah, right, Ver- right. Versus what is more appropriate, which is to say we're all in a narrative. That, mm-hmm. Again, that, that, that feels grossly reductive, but you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. The, the pain you've experienced has an impact on me. The pain I've experienced has an impact on you because the other thing I wrote is holding others hostage to your own pain. Like, mm-hmm. Chad, for as mustache twirling as he definitely becomes right they at least try to mildly root it before the revelation of who his real parentage is but they at least try to mildly root it in pain that was inflicted upon him and so what gets played out is okay well hillbillies hurt me that's the phrase of the movie hillbillies hillbillies hurt me so all hillbillies are bad right right and it's interesting you and I were just communicating about a mutual peer who is oh, a man, is gosh. a is a member of a minority that has been truly and grossly hurt and harmed mm-hmm. by by people of faith. Oh yeah, uh, in some ways, poorly intentioned people of faith. They would not see yeah. it that way, but and, no, of course. And, and and this lashing out that this peer is doing, and right, right, and how how they are holding others, this individual responsible for the pain they've experienced. Yeah. They're, they're holding yeah. others hostage to that pain. Chad in the movie sees Tucker and Dale, who we know by our senses, by our visit, by what we visualize of their relationship and their life are utterly harmless. Yeah. But because of pain he's experienced, he assigns responsibility to them. And I just, right. I could, I, it was fascinating that the movie actually has a, a, a sort of faux therapy session because, because right, honestly, right. this, this notion of 
of bridge building really spoke out to me. It's like it's played for laughs. Sure. But all that is required in the story is for them to all start talking to each other openly. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. and how much do we fall prey to that in our own coming and going? Like if sure if we would just talk to these people, if they would just talk to us, if someone takes that mature step, a lot of the pain could get lessened or mitigated or or healed. Well, and I'm not even, and uh, what I'm about to say sounds like it's uh, uh, pushing back against your language. It's not. It's it's an attempt at yes and, but even more so than talking is listening. Like we have, like the problem is is like yes, we absolutely have to start talking to each other. But I think that's the other big problem is even in because you know you're referencing this mutual peer that we have. Like part of my difficulty, and this is definitely present in Tucker and Dale versus evil is the assigning of intention, the assigning of, of agenda or meaning. And to the degree that they are saying, and, and it's, it's also very reductive. They're saying, no, all of this behavior, all that I'm witnessing, I'm going to talk about Tucker and Dale versus evil. And then I'll pivot that out into this broader context in Tucker and Dale versus evil. They see a man running around the corner. We swinging wildly a chainsaw He's doing it because he hit a bee's nest and he's running away from them. But immediately the context is he's running after me with this chainsaw. He's going to he's going to chop me up to bits, you know, all this other stuff. They see the police officer walk out of the room with, you know, board of nails sticking out of his head. It was actually an accident, and admittedly these are extreme circumstances, sure, but this is yeah. what horror this is what horror affords. Horror and comedy of which this is both affords the opportunity to dance in the extremes to hopefully say something about the real. And they're not actually listening and interrogating their own presumptions and interrogating their own assumptions about something. So then situations like this mutual peer that we're talking about is a situation where because of the pain, because of the hurt, and that's the thing is it's it's completely valid. Like right. all of the, right. the it is as simple as recognizing and this is the responsibility I think we have. It is as simple as recognizing that my own perspective is not objective, period. Like my accepting in myself that I carry with me the echoes of my pain. I carry in, in me the echoes of the people that have hurt me, the individuals, the groups, the scenarios and situations. I carry in myself the echoes of something that is like... The scripture that comes to mind in the moment, and I, I, I have not pulled it up, so I can't quote where it's from, but we see through a glass darkly, like recognizing that our own lens is not objective. And there's a way in which we can allow our pain to validate our perspective to a degree that we wouldn't even be willing to confront or interrogate it. Well, I this this pain is uh is like exhibit a through f of all of the reasons why this people group is like this and that's what sucks about it is because in that in in the scenario the real world scenario that i'm talking about the the pain is legitimate and it was inflicted right. by right. by that right. that people group like it absolutely was it's there's no there's no hemming and hawing about it the pain was real and it was inflicted by these people but the conclusion is not, therefore, all these people are like this, and even more so than this, that all things that look like that are even intentioned with the same meaning. 
And that's what gets so hard about bridge building and allyship is even, and then that's the thing, like uh, there is a demand that it be perfect, you know? And, and one of the things that I struggle with I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna sit on your couch for a second, Nathan. That's all right. Um, one of the things that I struggle with is trying to me coming from a majority group who has been in power for far too long, coming from a majority group trying to bri- build a bridge and trying to reach across the proverbial aisle, if you want to call it that. Sure. And I feel like the demand, this may be inaccurate, but this is my sense of things. I feel like the demand is not just check my privilege, not just, you know, uh, interrogate and harness my privilege, but it feels sometimes like it's outright deny your privilege. Uh, And what I mean by that is that I have to leave my Christianity, my whiteness, all of that, that I've got to leave it at the door rather than bring it with me to try to understand how I, in the position that I'm in, can repent, can uh, make reconciliation, can do this other thing. And so what what happens, and I know we're intentionally kind of trying to be vague for important reasons, but it's like, I'm a person of faith. I'll, I'll speak in this language. I'm a person of faith. People of faith throughout the years and recently have done irreparable harm to people. Irreparable harm. So does that mean in order to be a friend, be an ally, be a peer, be a brother, be anything to these people with whom I want to reconcile, do I then, by their mandate, have to deny that I am a person of faith? Can nothing be informed? Can no action be informed by my faith because of how people have abused? I mean, again, I I come back to this movie multiple times a week. But it's like Calvary, you know, it's like uh, that the the film Calvary, where because this character was systematically and horrifically abused by a priest, then there's so much laid at the door of this other priest who not only did not take those same actions, but is actively working to to do differently in the world. And where where does that all line up? Where does that all sit? Where do we sit in it? And, uh, and that's what becomes difficult about trying to build a bridge, listen to another perspective, uh, be an ally, uh, accept the differences of others, elevate the differences of others. And um, it's just, it, it is, it's a real challenge because we cannot break past the way our pain has filtered our perspective to see things in a new light. Wow. So um, there's that. I didn't mean to vomit all that up. No, it's all right. I, I feel some compulsion to engage that a little bit i mean like this is this is just me speaking to the things you're saying not so much you know you know and and perhaps by our conversing people will be enriched um you you express am i to leave these things at the door kind of thing like i i do think um not speaking to the heart of what you're saying but speaking to the words you used um i do think there's a way we do have to hold very loosely these identifiers Mm. and not be you didn't say this but i'm interpreting and and taking to the next step and not be overly defensive about those identifiers um you know and 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 it is interesting like like 
I think taking what you're saying and trying to interpret it through my own experience, a lot of what you discover very quickly, if you start engaging some of these, which isn't to say, read, you don't do this. I'm just saying, generally speaking, like if a person starts knocking on these doors, what you discover very quickly is to not speak with too much certainty (laughs) Mm, right, Um, right, and to just sort of realize how little, you know, Um, yeah, of course course. that, that the privilege you discuss just then has allowed a lot of ignorance about others' plights. Yeah, Um, of course, of course. And, and I just, you know, I do think what's hard and, and I think what's important, you know, you, you and I aren't referencing this very specific engagement, but I, I had shared with you and you had even seen, I made one brief comment early in, in what became a very grousing, very public ax grinding, uh, and then backed out very quickly because especially, you know, I mean, social media just is so, is so unproductive for, for true right, rela- relational right. bridge building, especially when that is not the goal of a participant right. in the conversation. Um, but I think part of it is just realizing hurt people hurt people. And, and yeah, right, you know, right. there's, there's this movie is a great illustration of that because what's really fascinating. You, I really loved the way you described, you know, horror and even comedy sort of dances in the extremes to teach us something about the real. Well, it's important to note that the hurt and pain, this, this, however, super villain he becomes Chad character has experienced kills all his friends <laughs> yeah 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 you know absolutely. and it's it's like when when we when we have untended and it's interesting um i referenced the christian wyman book last week two weeks ago yeah um ago. there's an art there's a quote i just posted and because i just loved it i'm almost done with that book it's it just really has been a balm to my soul is a very short quote. It's not a long one like the last time one I shared, but but it's ringing out to me in this conversation. And the quote is simply, life tears us apart, but through those wounds, if we have tended them, love may enter us. Mm. And I just love that because it's all about this. Yeah. It's like life is going to tear you apart. It is. Like, mm-hmm. part, you know, it, that that isn't a nihilistic cynical take that's simply you'll get, you're gonna get beat up yeah yeah but if we tend to our wounds then love can enter us and i think so much of what we see in the world around us and and expressed on social media and characters like chad is these are people who have not definitely not figured out and even if they have figured out have not tended to their wounds like yeah exactly and 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 that that requires self-awareness that requires reaching out that requires Mm -hmm. people around you and and i don't know i don't know i don't don't know if you meant to go that route but just it's a sad part of where we are culturally and i don't know if that's just i don't know if it's the way it's always been or if it's a new turn for the culture or, or you and I are just of the age now where we're conscientious of our role in the culture and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the exact answer there is, but I think as the polarities get further apart, it's not so much about 
I don't even know how to say this. Like, it's about a soft presence in a sharp and and pained world, right? It's about yeah, right, right. You know, it's a, it's it's about tenderness, setting setting aside personal identifiers, setting aside whatever. That doesn't mean self denial per se, though maybe. But it's about just right. exercising tenderness for no other reason, if for no other reason than because the world is so sharp and hard around us. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I love uh, the the poetry in so much of the language that you just used. I think is uh, is important, and I don't want to. I don't want to pivot backwards, but I, I wanted to look up the the specific quote because I, and I'm, I'm glad I did because it even goes further than I was remembering um, the passage from the scriptures is first Corinthians 13 and 12 and it says this is the King James version the old King James language it says for now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face I'll come back to that in a second it says now I know in part but then I shall know even as also I am known and what I love about the language in the context of this conversation is we do sit behind a, a wall of sorts. We sit behind a, a, a curtain. We sit behind something that is skewing the perspective, and we're talking about leaving things at the door. And I even, you know, I struggle with it, and I still struggle with it, but maybe that, maybe that sheen that we're trying to stare through is the thing that we have to leave through the door. It is this identity that that true, like if I identify as Christian, I identify as straight, I identify as white, I identify as all these different things, and then that identity is kind of the 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 dark glass that is so yeah. obscuring yeah. my capacity to see. And and I just love the language. Uh, the latter parts of those verses say, but then face to face, and it says, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Like when, and, and this speaks to me, perhaps because of the context of the conversation, about relationship. Getting yeah. out from behind the, the, the mm-hmm. barriers and face to face, like, hmm. you know, uh, known as known. You know, like, and that, and there's a, what I, what I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what I really love about what you're doing right now is I feel so often like those, that passage specifically is used as this, like, oh, in heaven, we're going to be known. Right. I love what you're doing right now, which is, hey, if, if, if scripture, if, if, if faithfulness, if God incarnate, uh, I'm saying this, you're not saying this. Uh, only means something after this life. It doesn't mean anything at all. And yeah, right. It right. has to mean something for the here and now. And I love what you're doing of saying we set aside the darkened glass so that we can know right. each other. Yeah, and and that That's knowing really powerful. and and yeah, I mean it's it's kind of I mean it's hitting me in the moment. I didn't expect to dive into this, but but that knowing is so crucial. You know, like the the coming to the awareness and you know it's joked about from time to time mostly among juvenile uh, sort of attitudes but um, but there is also very early in the scriptures that is uh, that's the substitute word for uh, you know physical intimacy and and intimacy is knowing you know but in the context of relationship you do you you do develop a a, a sort of intimacy where those identities don't matter you right, my friend right, Nathan right. 
are not, even though you are these things that we would identify, you are so much more than that to me in my life because of the nature of the conversations we have, the type of, uh, you know, just the, the wealth of history and all these other things. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I've talked myself into a little bit of a different perspective because at first I was, you know, somewhat uh, railing against the need to leave those things at the door. But now I'm wondering if those things that we believe uh, initially are, are our anchor points and our stabilizers are actually an anchor in a different sense and that they're holding us back from deeper, mm, more intimate yeah. relationship and that those are actually the anchors around our, our neck that keep us uh, from really and truly knowing one another and from really, and maybe that speaks to, oh my gosh, please, something hold me back. That speaks more to now I'm uh, feeling the echoes of scripture where it says, well, in Christ there is no slave nor free, right. no male nor right. female, like all of these identifiers that we've used to so cleverly categorize and label ourselves in the light of Christ just dissolve and fall away because it is just knowing as we are also known face to face the dark glass has been shattered and cast aside and abandoned and the identifiers well, now and part mean of nothing. That, well, and there's this fine line, I think, and you're not, I'm not, I think it's important and, and, and maybe in this scenario, the darkened glass is that privilege and status and where I'm going with this is I don't prescribe to the notion that no Jew nor Gentile male nor female slave nor free. I don't prescribe to the notion that it's all just a wash. No, I get um, that. No, I get that. No, and I'm not saying you said that, but, but I think that's a common theological, uh, sort of stumbling block. Um, because I think there's so much value and this in setting aside the darkened glass of, of the African-American peer and being able to know and enter into the pain mm -hmm. that they experience on a daily basis that I just don't, I'm not privy to and I'm not, don't have to live with, but I set aside this darkened glass of my own privilege to be able to, to, endure and reckon with and comprehend right and, and right I, I don't know i think that's really powerful um wow yeah Tuck, tucker and dale y'all like <laughs> tucker well dale, what, I, I do want to throw one last little note at you that that feels like a, a bow but but i i'm happy to to keep this going because i really love what you've done there but I think, I think there's such a, a, there's so much to learn from the characters, Tucker and Dale, hmm. I, I, like the, the intimacy of friendship. Um, I, one of the final lines, and this would be kind of my bow on themes here that I just loved. I think it's in that exchange when Tucker is injured and Dale's parting with him and they say, I can't remember who says it. it says no more negativity. Oh, uh, Tucker yeah. says that to Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Because Dale keeps crapping on himself. Yeah. You know, he says no more negativity or maybe that's in the hospital bed regardless. No, no, it's, that's it's, it. That's by the tree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's meant to be a stand in your, in your own strength kind of thing. Right. Um, and I, I just think there's, that's, that's a powerful statement that we really need to apply. And, mm -hmm. and, and I need to apply it and it's hard. It's funny. I just, just tonight 
there's a peer uh, on social media who is a great guy and, and we are very simpatico um, just sort of philosophically, but he, uh, um, bless his heart. He just parades negative articles and it's mm. like in that way that it's like, I don't disagree with any of the things you're saying, but it's probably not healthy. The volume sure, and frequency no, with what you're saying this. And even tonight there was one that I actually thought about reaching out to him directly. There's this horrible, horrible, horrible story right now about this like Tennessee preacher and, and who out, who was also on the sheriff's in the sheriff's department until real recently, until he got kicked out. And I only share this to share anecdotally about this. Um, and apparently this preacher shared how uh, gay people should be killed. Oh my God. And yeah. And, and the, oh this buddy of mine shares this and, and assigns some real negative note on it. And, and I see that and I want to say, Hey man, <laughs> Right, like, right. Of course, I'm. Yeah. I'm not saying we ignore the plight and the pain. I'm. Am saying you can maybe swim too close into the sharks. Yeah, and yeah, and course. and start to get eaten alive by it. And yeah, and of course. and I think there's a fine line between consciousness of the terribleness yeah. at work in our society and overindulgence of it like yeah, this of idea of no more negativity is really speaking out to me um now at the same time someone listening to this if they know when this is recording i glibly and it was glib <laughs> made some comment about our administration today being liars and racists and would be despots so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but at least the sentiment felt different so that's how i justify this in this moment but regardless the point being this notion of negativity this notion of like there is a tenderness required in how we engage around us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm just kind of. No, I, yeah, we could, uh, honestly, I know that we probably could go on for hours, but I think there's also a power to, you know, uh, I, I say this sincerely as a wind down to the episode, but also philosophically, there's a power in sort of, okay, you've sit, you sat upon a thing or you've hit the thing. Uh, now shut up about it and let it sit, let it digest, let it, you know, sort of marinate in your spirit. And, um, and, uh, I think for the listeners and, and for us on this film, uh, I would invite us to, to do that now. I think this, the <laughs> Tucker and Dale versus evil, I was like, I did not see that coming. No. Well, and I remember I made the note, I made the note to you before we started recording. I was like, yeah, I think all my notes sort of feed into this same theme. And, um, yeah, I think I shortchanged a little bit what this movie might have had on its mind going into it. I would be far pressed to say like Eli Craig is, you know, provoking everybody to reconsider their perspectives, but it's all there. Like it's there right. in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um this is not, you know, as we continue to mention, this is not one of those examples where we're just sort of threading it out. This is like it's here. Um so with that in mind, do you want to, you know, venture into the fog meter and see kind of Let's do it. Where we Let's sit do with it. that? So uh, fog meter, we measure each of these films in a metric uh, according to our show name by fear and God. So I'm going to go first on fear uh, by the fact that we both sort of really had little to no scares to mention. Um, I think there's, like we've said from time to time, there's some existential things going on, but it is far more comedy than it is horror, though it is dancing around with all the appropriate horror tropes. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, Try to be generous, but also realistic and give it a two and a half on the fear measurement. 
you and your halves. Um, I was gonna say, I was gonna say two. So I'm gonna say two for fear. Uh, as far as the God factor goes, um, I think I'm gonna throw a six at Tucker and Dale. All right. And if, if, if Little Shop was, I think I gave it a seven or eight, like Mm -hmm. this is right under there. I mean, it's, it's actively operating in this dual perspective idea and the need to, bridge that gap and or the devastation that happens when you don't so i think it's yeah it's very much present absolutely um and i think i'm gonna uh, kind of pivot around there too i'm gonna go a little high i don't think the film intends six and a half <laughs> right um <laughs> uh i'm gonna go eight because i don't feel like the film uh really like demands a lot of its viewers but i think it's probably impossible to walk away from the film and not at least somehow be thinking about the idea of perspective, and uh, even if it's subtextual, and I think sure. the film applies that very deftly and very successfully. Um, and so, in the fear of God measurement, the fog meter, we give Tucker and Dale versus Evil a four and a half out of ten on fear and substance. Uh, but Nathan, would Reed. you recommend Tucker and Dale versus Evil? <laughs> I would watch it again right now. I would absolutely <laughs> right? recommend Tucker and Dale. It is a hell of a lot of fun. It is it is great. It's wonderful fun. The uh the violence in it is outrageous, but all nearly all played for laughs. Um and uh yeah, wildly entertaining. If you're a fan of horror films at all, this is uh an easy easy recommend. You should check it out. Um yeah, this is this is great. I've had a blast with this conversation, Nathan. Thank you so much for being yeah, willing man. to engage this. Yeah, this funnier, fun. funnier die number three. And uh, don't forget, I know it was like five hours ago at this point, <laughs> but don't forget the contest we got going on. Post your right. review, post your shares, let us know. Reed will be tallying them up. Um, <laughs> and next week, Riri, next oh my gosh. week, oh my gosh, we I are, can't. in fact, I can't even just, can't just even. opening up the DVD drawer and <laughs> popping in. One of the Lackey family's old favorites. Oh, I'm so um, excited. You it's can so find this to rent on Amazon. Uh, you can rent it on Amazon. That's the only place I could find it. Uh, we are going to be discussing. Holy cow. Too, <laughs> you know, I think the show has jumped the shark. We're going to be discussing <laughs> Ernest. Jump the troll. Scared, stupid. Starring Jim Varney. Wow, Reed. Oh, I'm so excited. Funny or Die. I, it was a mandate. I said, if we do Funny or Die, we have to do Ernest Scared Stupid. So next week we it's happening. Yep, next week it's happening. And uh, listeners, we'll see you again. Nathan, thanks so much again, brother. Of course. See you next week, everybody. Bye. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey, and our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can now be found at tpublic.com. Just search for The Fear of God Podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. 
Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. He was in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I think, as a, oh. as a minor character. Do that O again if you're going to include it in. <laughs> <laughs> see the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm a mess. I thought I was coming in strong, but goodness a, gracious, that, I'm failing okay. you. Hi, everybody. <laughs>